On today's show, I interview Dr. Kate Shanahan, a globally recognized nutrition and metabolism expert. She's the author of Deep Nutrition and The Fat Burn Fix. And if you're curious about what type of oils you should be eating and a whole other slew of questions about nutrition, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kate Shanahan. I am so happy to have you on Morphus. Thanks, Andrea. It's great to be here. I wanted to start out, first of all, I've been watching you do interviews. I've been reading your book, Deep Nutrition. I know you have a new book that I want to talk about as well. This, <laughs> for all of you watching, if you don't have a copy, you need to get a copy. This book is absolutely incredible. And as a nutritionist and as somebody who's been in the natural world for 21 years, highly, highly, I recommend this. It's unbelievable. So Kate, can you start out by saying, like just telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what you are doing? Are you currently practicing? Talk a little bit about what you are doing. I have a, a weird practice because um, uh, you were asking me before this show started, you were like, do you get flack from trying to <laughs> practice actual healing? Um, well, you didn't put it that way. <laughs> Not as sarcastically as me. <laughs> um, from, you know, from talking about nutrition. And um, I don't now, thank God, in my current practice, which is which has like been about two and a half, three years, but I used to, I mean, it was horrible. That's why I'm here now. Like I, it's actually, I moved all over the country searching for a place where there was harmoniousness between my employer and the way I wanted to actually be able to help people, which takes a lot of time. Like that's the key thing is that doctors don't have that, you know, in the, in the standard medical system, we're just running people through. We have to see them every 15 minutes, every 30 minutes. And you can't do any, have a real conversation in that point period of time to get, you know, to deep into what's, what's happening. And so I was constantly in this state of, um, being behind (laughs) with my schedule because you were spending a lot of time with your patients. Yes. And and then the worst part of it was like, if, if if a colleague, say a colleague would go on vacation or something, I have to cover their patients. And, you know, they're all type two diabetics going, you know, not all of them, but like so many type two diabetics, so many people right. who I, I, I was just like, I want to sink my teeth into you because I know I can help you so much. You're on nine medications and you just told me how you don't like that. And I had to decide between just completely biting my tongue and doing my job, um, but you know, not getting my not irritating my coworkers um, and irritating my coworkers. So it was just constant stress, no matter where I lived. And so, I mean, I lived in, I practiced in the following states: um, Minneapolis, Arizona, Washington, Hawaii, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Colorado. Now I'm in Florida. And here I'm at a unique job where I don't, I'm not hired by a hospital. I'm not running a regular clinic. I work for a company like um, actually very much like the plantation doctor back in Hawaii before it was a state really for a long time there where there was no other doctor other than the doctor that the company hired. And um, that doctor's job was to take care of the people in the company and nobody else and do nothing else. And whatever that doctor saw fit to do was fair game. So, um, like if I want to take an hour and speak with somebody, if, as long as that person has an hour, I will go ahead and do that. And, um, it's just great. I can, I can really actually help people. Plus, you know, I can use, uh, the power of, 
of a lot of a lot of cool things that the company has in place to educate because most of it's around education like once once somebody buys into the idea that okay yeah you can actually reverse your diabetes you can you don't need to have migraines autoimmune disorders um, those also really really respond to a better diet so once people buys into that buy into that then it's mostly a matter of I start repeating myself a lot, right? I'm sure if you do that, it's the same thing. So we talk about like what foods you like, blah, blah, blah. So I put these kinds of resources in place that are just now available for the company. And in that sense, a lot of it's on autopilot, which is which is great because that means I get to like impact people and help people. And, and it's just so rewarding to hear when I, you know, call them for other reasons, they call me for like, okay, well now we have the coronavirus thing going on. So I have a lot of work with that. But then they'll just like say, oh yeah, I read your courses and I changed my oils and I lost 20 pounds. I mean, that's just great. It's wonderful. (laughs) Couldn't ask for more than that. I love that. And I love how passionate you are. And in your book, you talk about the, I'm looking at my notes here because I was, I was telling Kate before we started the interview that I don't normally like to prepare for interviews. I like to come on and just listen to my gut. But when it came to Kate and deep nutrition, I literally read the book and I took notes. So I have a whole bunch of questions here that I want to ask her and get to them because I also don't want to be here. Take all your time up, Kate, because I mean, literally I could talk to you forever because this is such a great topic. So I want to start with first in your book, you talk about the human diet. Can you explain what that is? I wanted to, to be able to start with a baseline of what is it that everybody should do. Um, and it, it turns out you can actually answer that question fairly easily. Um, and the way I did it was while living in Hawaii, I, uh, well, first of all, I was kind of inspired to even learn all this stuff because of my own patients in Hawaii who are so much healthier than I myself and people who are in their fifties and sixties and, uh, were very often healthier than their own children, and even their own grandchildren sometimes. So, um, I knew they were doing something right. And, and I also knew that they were eating very strange foods according, according to like when I got invited to the buffets, like the, um, you know, the parties they were having every weekend. So there were just these massive spreads and lineups of things that were so foreign to me. And before I really got into nutrition, intimidating, I didn't want to, I didn't even try them. But, um, when I, when I got into nutrition, when I had my little awakening, I remembered the meals and, you know, just how, how very, um, intensely flavored they were, how much more diverse they were. And so as I, uh, as I went through my own reawakening and my husband was helping me write the book and conceptualize what would be in the book, we were watching a lot of, um, Anthony Bourdain's no reservations. And he, he's a former chef, uh, kind of snarky dude who is a real interesting commentator, great shows, by the way, if you've never seen him. Um, and he was traveling all over the world and he kept doing, he kept running into like the, um, same kinds of strategies, like not the same dishes, obviously, between, you know, say Scandinavia or the Philippines, but the same strategies where people would be eating something fresh that wasn't cooked. They would be, um, if they were going to have meat, they would cook it like as a huge unit, you know, on the bone, including uh, the skin, if they could, they would use the organ meats and they would also have a lot of fermented foods 
or, um, you know, they would work with nature to sprout things. Um, and, uh, so those became the four pillars, those things I just said, those are the four strategies that everybody all around the world used to, to work with their environment. I and mean, really what is food is it's like the edible part of the environment. And more than that though, it's, it's information. So that's what we talk about in deep nutrition is it's information for your cells that it's not just building blocks. It's way more than calories, right? You know, that's the first thing that, that I just throw that idea out that, you know, a calorie is a calorie. That's true if you're a bomb calorimeter, <laughs> but not if you're a living being. And so food is also building blocks. We, we do learn about this in school, but what we didn't, what I didn't learn was that it's is information. It's literally instructing the DNA of your cells as to what genes to turn on and off. And so that information comes from nature. And the more direct the connection between nature itself and your cells, the better. So that means processed food is terrible, right? Because processing just destroys all the information in the food. So you want it to be fresh and you want the information to be complex and true. So what does that mean? So like animals typically uh, say, we're let's say, let's say we're not even talking about animal. Let's just say we're talking about lettuce. If your lettuce is in soil that it's adapted to, that has very rich uh, microbiome of the soil and tons of minerals, that lettuce is going to taste better. It's going to be healthier. You're not going to need to spray it with chemicals. It's probably even going to last longer. Not that it should, but um, uh, so so that is in that all of that is information in your food. And then of course the same applies to animals, except it's magnified many fold because they eat those great healthy vegetables or the dumpy worst, you know, kinds of corn and soy silage. Um, and you know, and it goes into their bodies to make them either be healthy or unhealthy, which also translates to tasty, not tasty, or delicious or nutritious and not nutritious, right? So so there was just so much that uh, people used to do that I became fascinated by. And that's why my husband and I really wanted to get that into the book because the science of epigenetics says that's what our genes need us to do. And that's why the subtitle of deep nutrition is why your genes need traditional food because it's your genes really are waiting for the instructions for you to eat <laughs> so that your genes and every cell know what to do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bone cell. Should I be, do I have everything that I need now to, to be building good, strong, healthy bone, mineralized bone? Or should I kind of pull back because we don't have enough mineral, mineral, or maybe there's not enough vitamin D to send the signals to do any of that. So all of the things that we decide to do, we decide to you know, when we just buy eggs, if we're getting, if we're going to the grocery store and we're getting the most expensive eggs that we can afford, you know, that, that have that, the more glitzy, uh, pasture raised, um, kind of prettier, uh, you know, colors, prettier picture that they're painting. It's more, there is more information in those eggs and you can crack it open and see the difference because the yolks are going to be darker. They're going to be more, not even just more yellowy, but yellow. Yeah. They're orange. beautiful. They've got this beautiful, deep yellow. In a lot yes. Of and some yeah. are even like pure orange, like when it's a really wow. 
amazing uh, food and healthy breed of chickens, like the breeds of chickens that we have are even just different. So, you know, they're designed to pump out eggs, not to make an individual chicken that will actually be able to live, right? That's the way it used to be. (laughs) So, um, so all of that is, is, um, is, what we need to do to be optimally healthy. And I tried to break it down in deep nutrition and and the four pillars are kind of the Mm -hmm. central four pillars around which we want to be thinking about what are we, what are we going to end up eating? And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, obviously there's a lot more than just that because you can't eat a pillar. So what does that mean? One of the things you said that was, that really stood out for me is you were saying that pretty much you can eliminate all disease with food, which is pretty much what you're talking about. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, because I am talking about pretty much all disease. So if you eat right, I mean, we know that weight is re- is a is a diet-related disease. Right. And we know that diabetes type 2 is a diet-related disease because we know it has something to do with weight. But we don't often think about autoimmune diseases as being related to diet, but they are. And the connection is something called inflammation, which comes from something called oxidative stress. And in deep nutrition, I talk about the the main driver of oxidative stress and inflammation are these oils that most people don't even know exist. I'm talking about what I call seed oils. The industry term is vegetable oils. So I use the term vegetable oil in deep nutrition, but that's like soy oil and corn oil and canola oil. It's not olive oil, right? So even though it's technically olive comes from a vegetable um, olive oil is a traditional oil and the difference, the distinction, um, one of the most obvious is that olive oil is really kind of still an artisanal product. It still looks green when it's a good kind of olive oil, but corn canola and so on, those are made in factories and they're stripped of all their nutrition and, um, the, they're unstable. So they deteriorate into toxins and no one should be eating them. Everybody should know what these things are. It's like the main the main thing I do when I work here with the, the folks that I work with here at ABC is teach them about what these things are, what they do to them, and that it's caused whatever disease they they have. You know, I'm talking about the common things, migraines, um, asthma, uh, psoriasis, other skin conditions, neuropathy, heartburn, fatty liver, pretty much everything I, I see that people suffer from is a direct result of eating these seed oils and uh, you know and not getting enough nutrition in your diet so those those are two two it's a, it's a one two punch right one is the seed oils really are toxic and they make you you know they can make you sick and the other one is that they also displace nutritious foods so most people don't know it but they're getting about a third of their calories from these toxic vegetable oils. And that's a third of your calories that could contain enormous amounts of information from the earth, you know, nutrition. Um, and so just that one change, that's like people like that 80, 20 rule. So this is that 20% change that gives you 80% improvement, just eliminating those things. And, and that's why deep nutrition talks about, well, what can you do instead? And one of the big things people ask is fats. What about fats? What about fats? And you know, I love that you're saying that. I wrote a book many years ago. It was called Unjunk Your Junk Food. And <laughs> we talked about some, we talked about chemicals in food. So we called them the scary seven. So these were the scary seven categories of 
ingredients that we know cause harm to our bodies, according to science. And I recently added plus one. So I was doing like these seed oils and all the omega-6 the polyunsaturated fats. I mean, this is my new passion and I'm going to explain why. And I want you, I want to stay on this for a second because I think this is so important and I love hearing you talk about it because they're so pro-inflammatory, meaning they're creating inflammation in our body. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I've been a nutritionist for over 20, a, a nutritionist for over 15 years. I've been in the natural world for over 21 and I thought I was eating super healthy, but I was still not feeling my best. Like I would wake up in the morning and have pain on my feet or my body would ache. And I'm like, I'm not understanding what I'm doing. And I have these, I'm going to give the example is I have these packages of seaweed that I get at one of the big box stores and I would eat. I'm like, oh, seaweed's great. We need iodine. It's great for my ovaries, great for my thyroid. Right. And I would have like a package of these every single day and I love them. And then I was like, wait a second, let me read the ingredients. And it has sunflower oil. And then I started doing more and more research into all of the oils. So like you said, the canola, the sunflower, the safflower, the soy, and they are ubiquitous. They are in all packaged goods. Now these are whether they're organic or not. They are a lot of the companies and even in the minimally processed foods, they're using these seed oils or these unhealthier type of oils. And I have, I've, it's been my mission now to get off the oils completely. Kate, I cannot tell you, and you know, you're gonna be like, yeah, yep, yeah, I totally know. I feel so good. My inflammation is way down. It was kind of like the little missing piece of the puzzle that I could not figure out for the longest time. And now that I've eliminated these oils, and I do want you to take us through the list, and I think it's important because, you know, for all of our viewers who are, if you're new to Morphous or if you've been watching us at Naturally Savvy, you know we talk about reading food labels. That is the number one thing. Pick up a product, and I know we want to avoid it. Like Kate, you were saying, avoid processed food, but in the real world, it's not, it's not really, you know, for many of us, we need to be buying products at the grocery store that are not necessarily just whole foods or unprocessed. So if you are buying, buying minimally processed foods, read the labels, understand what's in them and look for the products that have real ingredients and don't have any of these chemicals or the scary seven or now plus the seed oils. So can, can you just go into, can you name the seed oils, ones that are bad that we should be eliminating? And again, just for, just repeat it one more time, how they create inflammation in the body, because I, I want to really go over this a few times, just so it's, we, we kind of hit that home in terms of understanding the importance of avoiding them. Yeah, sure. So I, I group them into three C's and three S's. So the C's are corn, canola, cottonseed, and then the S's are soy, sunflower, and safflower. Those are the ones you're going to see when you're shopping. Right. So, uh, you know, like, so if anybody's listening, if you want to run to your cupboard right now and just start looking at different products, you might have like crackers, especially your food bars or salad dressing, mayonnaise, peanut butter. That's likely, it's likely you're going to find one of them in there. And the reason they're toxic is because uh, their fatty acids are unstable. So when we're talking about fats, fats contain fatty acids. Those are kind of like the little, uh, the things that we actually burn for calories when we're burning fatty acids, when we're, um, when we're eating fat or burning fat, uh, we're talking about fatty acids. So the, the fatty acids are the things like when you've heard the term saturated or polyunsaturated, we are referring to a specific kind of fatty acid. Um, and so uh, the polyunsaturated fatty acids are the unstable ones. And our diets never historically had more than, you know, maybe 
maybe maximum 10% and it would not be in the form of these oils, probably more, more like, uh, I'm talking about uh, calories, 10% of calories coming from polyunsaturated fatty acids at the absolute most, more likely most estimates are, um, somewhere around 2%, <laughs> two to 3%. But today, uh, it's, uh, it's like probably close to 30%. And, and that's a massive change, but because they're unstable and they chemically deteriorate into toxic compounds. And they have, these toxic compounds have long names, but one of the most well-studied is 4-hydroxynonanol. And this is a thing that is, it is a known carcinogen. It's so toxic though, it took a long time to figure out that it was carcinogenic because it just frankly outright killed cells. Um, we don't get a high enough concentration in our bloodstream to outright kill us, but it, it definitely can take a toll on our liver cells. If we go out to eat at the wrong time of the week and have like a bunch of uh, French fries or onion rings, really greasy fried food, fried in that oil, that unstable oil that's been used over and over again, there are so, there are so many toxins in that, um, that it's, uh, when you, when you add them all up, um, the amounts exceed like what the estimates are for upper tolerable limit by over a thousand times. I mean, it's absurd that this is wow. what, this is something that people are allowed to sell. Um, but that's kind of like the worst of the worst scenario because they are unstable and they break down. They break down when you, when you heat them. That's what makes them break down. But they also do, even if you've consumed, say, just um, a normal, healthy polyunsaturated fatty acid from like a nut, if you did way too much of it, which nobody does from eating nuts, um, if you had way too much of them in your body, eventually they would break down in your body too. Um, even they're the only fatty acids that, that can start to break down at body temperature. And when they break down, so when they break down in your body, they have the same, they actually have worse effects than, than, than a toxin because they, they can actually um, damage cell membranes. So they're just no good, right? Whether or not you're consuming the, the toxic degraded form of them, or you're just consuming too many of them so that they ultimately break down in your body, they, massively disrupt cell function. Hmm. And one of the main things that people find is that when you get off of them, your digestive system usually feels better because that's a place that takes the first hit when you've been having a lot of like the, the fried kind, right? Like, so I used to do potato chips. I would just, just sit down to a giant, those giant bags. Right. Um, I used to love Triscuit crackers, um, you know, they're so weedy and savory, but they're super oily with horrible oil. And, uh, you know, I, I used to just always get like this blurbly feeling in my stomach after I would eat very much. And I just thought it was me, you know, I thought it was, yeah. well, that's my digestive system. Um, but no, that went away when I took, when I took those out of my diet. And so that's like the first thing that a lot of people notice. Yeah. And what's interesting is as we get into menopause and perimenopause, we tend to have, you know, issues like fatty liver. We tend to have issues with brain fog or issues that as can be a direct result of eating these oils. So I always like to say, 
let's eliminate and let's eat properly, eliminate the bad foods as much as possible that we know have these negative effects on us and eat the good foods, eat foods that we know lessen inflammation in the body, right? They decrease that inflammation. So I love that we're talking about this because it's an easy thing. So for everybody who is either listening on our podcast or watching us here on YouTube, go to your cupboard today, a little bit of homework, go to your cupboards, read the ingredients and tell us if you have any seed oils. And so you can you can tweet me at Andrea Donsky or on Instagram. Kate, how can they reach you on social just so we want them to tag you too? Um, they should go to my website because I can never remember my socials. So my <laughs> website is drkate.com and I have my socials there, but I am on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, perfect. So let us know if you find that you have these bad oils, let us know and let us know what kind of oils they are, because I think that's really important too. And I want us to really understand how, it, and how do you feel after once you start eliminating? Kate, how long does it take generally for somebody's body to feel better once they eliminate these oils? Yeah, I love that question because um, the answer is just like, it just keeps getting better. I mean, the, if you were having them, you know, the ups, any kind of heartburn, the very first day that you avoid them, you're going to notice improvement. And, and then like the different parts of your body start to recover in a slightly different time frame. Uh, but people start to feel more energetic. Usually within a couple of weeks, they might notice if they had any aches and pains in the morning when they woke up. You know, if you're, if you're stiff, when you get up out of bed in the morning, um, you'll feel more just like loose and free and lighter. Um, and one of the greatest things that I noticed was that my mental functioning was more sustainable during the day. I used to be so fried coming home from a day in clinic that, you know, my husband would say, how was your day? And I, I just, I was like too tired to even engage with the conversation, you know? So that's kind of a downer for your relationships. And, and, and I mean, it's the, the concentration and the ability to think at, and the ability to have a, just a better mood that really kicks in, starts to kick in in about three months. But I think you really notice that you max out once you've cleared it out of your body fat. Um, and, and that take, can take over a year. I talk more about that in my other book, the fat burn fix, but, um, but so it's a, it's kind of like a gift that keeps on giving because so you don't have these toxic things. Now you have space in your day for healthy fats. And those healthy fats have all kinds of nutrition in them that you probably weren't getting before. So I'm talking about things like grass-fed butter, which is delicious and has vitamin A, like real preformed vitamin A, that's um, not what you can get from plants. And it has uh, vitamin K2, which is this kind of like, we, we just recently discovered it, but it's really good for putting calcium where it belongs, like in your bones and not having it, not having calcium end up calcify your arteries or cause kidney stones or bone spurs. So uh, those are just two examples. It also has omega-3, right? So a lot of folks are, are um, taking omega-3 tablets, but personally, I don't because I have so much butter and grass-fed cheese in my life. So those are just a few like of the nutrients that your body's been craving that you will get. And how they have just so many, like you don't necessarily yeah. feel it when you're not calcifying your arteries, <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. But I, I like that you said, actually, it's interesting. I just want to go back for a second and reiterate. So you said it, take, it could take up to a year to get rid of these oils out of your, out of your body, but not to be discouraged. So for example, you might see that it, your body will feel better pretty quickly, but in order for it to be completely eliminated, what happens? And I know we're getting a little bit into the minutia here, but I do want to understand it because I want to make sure that our listeners don't get discouraged. As for example, let's say 
by accident, they eat something that has sunflower oil in it. And it you know, is by mistake. What does that do? Does that take you off track and it takes another year from there? Or is it kind of like really minimizing it to the point where, you know, it, it won't make a difference if you slip up? Right. That's a, such an important question because there are a lot of diets out there that are like, oh, you've got to just be on target the whole time or now you have to start over. No, this isn't like that. This is like your bank account. <laughs> if you overspend one month, well, okay. It's not like you have to start from, you know, ever get a new job. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's a terrible analogy, but, um, <laughs> but it's just math, right? So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so if, if you, you know, if you, if you're trying to get rid of something from your, your body, specifically your body fat and you accidentally slip up and you just put a tiny little bit more in that's all that happened yeah <laughs> okay now that's good to know and it's encouraging